This is Sports Talk with Phil Cornblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, welcome in, everybody. Good to have you with us on this Monday edition of Sports Talk on MLK Day for 2024. Good to have you with us. Know today's a meaningful day for a lot of people, a lot in our audience. So we certainly understand what the day means to you. We appreciate you joining us tonight to uh, kind of get back into the swing of things. Many of you had the day off, I'm sure, and now it's time to kind of take that step back towards uh, normalcy, and that means talking sports with us tonight here on Sports Talk for the next couple of hours. Phil Kornblut, Pat Daniel here in Columbia, Chris Bergen joining us from the Bergie Palace over in Sardis. Now, I know how most of you are thinking. I know most of you are thinking Corn's going to come on the show tonight and talk all about his Packers beating the Cowboys in the playoffs, not just beating the Cowboys, savaging the Cowboys, destroying the Cowboys, embarrassing the Cowboys. That's what you think I'm going to do. And you would be right. Oh, it's always good to beat those yellow-belly, dirt-licking Cowboys in Dallas, in front of Jerry, in his world, with his two boys. Yes! And we ain't done yet, folks. We ain't done yet. Look out, San Fran. Got a different animal coming up this weekend, though. Well, we just beat a 12-win team at their place. True. We can do the same thing again. That's, that's... I, don't think, I don't think anybody would argue, though, that San Francisco is better than Dallas. Would you take Brock Purdy over Dak Prescott? Ooh. Would you? That's an interesting question, especially down the strat. I I, you know, Prescott had a good year. Mm-hmm. And the da- what surprised me, and props to your boys yesterday, it was the first time I'd had a chance all season to really sit down and watch the Packers. I was awfully impressed mm-hmm. because Dallas's defense throughout the season had been pretty good. And love made them look silly. I mean, absolutely look, look silly. And I didn't realize this until after the game was over, but that's where Green Bay wants to play playoff games against the Cowboys. What, 6-0 and all time now? When playing at AT&T Stadium. So why not? But I, I was awfully impressed with Love. I thought he did a terrific job and, and played extremely well and just made Dallas look terrible. And and the fact that the Cowboys could not get anything going on offense until pretty much I think Green Bay had started pulling guys out of the stands to play on defense in the fourth quarter. I mean, it, I, would, I, would not give them, I would not sell them down the river against San Francisco. I'm just saying I think the 49ers are a better team than mm. what you just saw this weekend. Well, I mean, look, it's pretty simple. If the Packers play like they did this past Sunday, this coming Saturday, they'll be right there in it. Now, San Francisco has not been a good place for the Packers in the postseason. And so it's tough. And they're always good, of course, San Francisco. That's just been a tough place for Green Bay. The West Coast has been a pretty tough place for them, even in the Aaron Rodgers era more recently, and I guess maybe even going back to to the Favre days. But – 
And we'll see what happens. Right now, the Packers are playing with what you would call house money. They're loosey. They're goosey. They know they've they've got nothing to lose, so there's no pressure on them. I mean, the Cowboys came out like they were constipated. Um, I mean, seriously. <laughs> Did you look at their expressions? And I no, mean, no th- doubt. As You're a right. team, if a team can be constipated, it was the Cowboys yesterday. And uh, they were tight. I think it shocked them when the Packers took the opening kickoff, went right down the field and scored. Mm. And they were like, wait a second, this ain't supposed to be happening. And I will say this, Joe Barry dialed up a really good defensive game plan. I think that the Packers have gotten some players in their secondary now healthy, and he is able to do more things that he likes to do with coverages, like more man coverage so he can bring certain pressures. And and the other thing was the ability to run the ball on first down as they did with Aaron Jones was huge. That just really allowed Jordan Love to hang around in the pocket. I don't think he was hardly ever hit. Well, yeah, he did take one hit and didn't get a flag for it. The officials were certainly trying to help the Cowboys yesterday. No question about it, as was the Fox broadcast crew in the back pockets of the Cowboys yesterday. Sickening. Um, But that being said, he was hardly touched. The offensive line's gotten better. These receivers catch everything, and it's exciting to watch a team that's pretty much homegrown and is the youngest team in the history of the playoffs to go out and do what they did yesterday. Not to least the least to mention, of course, that I am a – huge Packer fan so but I don't want to make this all about me Bergie I didn't come in here to make this all about me I was just going to mention that in passing but now you know you, you kind of got me before we move on down though, that road yeah, I do want to add one more note on. though Chris if I can just with your team how different of a team are the Packers when Aaron Jones plays and when he doesn't just looking at this season and going through five different instances this season for the Packers Aaron Jones got at least 20 carries they went five and up and he had 21 carries for 118 yards and three touchdowns rushing against the against the Cowboys yesterday. That helps Jordan Love so incredibly much, especially when they're able to add the play action or just the fear of him running the ball and receiving the ball. Aaron Jones is a big difference maker for y'all's team, and if he can stay healthy, you guys might have a shot at at least at least putting a little fear, if not upsetting the Niners. But I am with Chris. That's a whole different animal. But um, – a lot of questions mark, marks out in Dallas. Is that where Bill Belichick now potentially goes? Well, yeah, on top of that, you may have gotten your former coach fired. Yeah, I hate that. I, I yeah. liked him. You know, he got us a Super Bowl win and all that. And and listen, he's won 12 games each of the last three years. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. But, you know, you're measured by the postseason by and large, especially when you've been in a place for a while. Uh, you know, the Panthers, if they had a, a coach lead them to 12 win seasons three consecutive years, I think they'd be very happy about it considering their history. Cowboys certainly different, different ownership. And you talk about Belichick, and I mean, could you see Belichick really working for a guy as hands-on as Jones and his sons? You know, he works for Robert Kraft, or did, and Robert Kraft's son is in the organization as well, but as far as I could tell, they were pretty hands-off with Belichick and what the team was doing while they were winning. Uh, sure. Jerry Jones is never hands-off. I mean, this is a guy who has his own press conference after every game. This is a guy who does his own radio show with his two sons on the Monday after every game. I mean, he's as big as any coach the Cowboys will have because all the media in Dallas wants to know is what does Jerry think? That's why you see the TV cameras shoot up to his box every time something bad happens 
to the Cowboys. They <laughs> yeah, want to see his, his reaction. Um, I was just happy to see some of those stitches in his redone face kind of you know stretch and break yesterday as he was grimacing as we continued to pound away. 27 to nothing. Couldn't believe it. In a, well, it's I mean, of, I'm not surprised the Packers won. Thought that we could win. Just surprised by how they did it. Did not think it would be anywhere close to the way it turned out. Well, and I'm glad you bring that up because that's been the biggest problem I've had thus far in the wild card round. That, that game emblematic of just blowouts across the board. I mean, outside of the game last night between Detroit and the Rams, we have not had a competitive game in the playoffs thus far. That was 45, a great game. 45-14, 26-7, 48-32. And the, the final score of the Green Bay-Dallas game, if you didn't watch it and wondering what Phil's talking about, well, they only lost by the It wasn't that close. No. It was not anywhere close to that close. That had to be the most misleading 400-yard <laughs> passing no. game in the history of football. <laughs> no doubt. And the Packers had really they, – they didn't almost mess up, but – they did have to put the starters back in because yep. they let the Cowboys go down there and score too quickly. And there was time, and believe me, they were up the final score. They were up whatever it was. And I could see if, if the Packers had to punt again, Dallas go down and score, and then facing the onside kick. And every Packer fan knows the history of the Packers with onside kicks in the playoffs is, is horrible. Now, the onside kick now is not what it used to be, but we've had one onside kick after another go against us in clutch situations that cost us playoff games. So I didn't want to face a situation where the Cowboys scored again and had a chance to get the ball on an onside kick because I just I just know the history. But anyway, on to other things. There is an NFL game going on today, 21-7, Buffalo leading the Steelers at the half. By the way, I just saw a tweet. 40 million viewers for the Packers and Cowboys yesterday. Wow. Peacock, for all those complaining and saying they were going to boycott Peacock, especially those who hit up some people for their username and password, some people who would do that for Peacock. Who would hit up people for Oh, I definitely user. asked you. No, I thought we, we, had a, we had a sports talk I account. Refused. <laughs> I refused to pay for it, but I'll use, I'll use Phil's account. <laughs> anyway, they had 24 million viewers. It's insane. It's yeah, ins- it really is. It's got to be the gambling. It's got to be the gambling. I mean, all of a sudden, we've got all these multi-million more of pro football fans coming out of the woodwork to watch these games. Well, that might have been a little bit from Taylor Swift. My nieces, who are 10 and 12 years old, are suddenly into football. It blew uh, my mind. We, we yeah. went out last week, went out to lunch, and they were telling me how excited they were to watch, not to watch any players or anything on the field, but they were excited to see Taylor Swift during the Travis Kelsey game, is what they were calling it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was never going to mention this, but since you mentioned that, the worst thing that can happen to a married man at this stage of life is what? Uh, death. Divorce. No, it's worse than death. It's worse than divorce. <laughs> the wife becoming interested in football. Oh. <laughs> because I'll take that back. My my wife is a big sports fan. Of course, she well, works she in the is. sports I mean, profession. She, yeah. But yeah. So, well, my wife I, I is is, yeah. a, is a teacher and uh, retired at that, but never gave a hoot about football. But now she's got a couple of friends who are huge NFL fans, and now you know she wants to watch games. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, no. No, you're you're not watching with me. You can you know go to the other room or something, but no, I'm not watching a game and listening to the questions. No, not doing it. So I refuse to do it. Now maybe I'm a bad person for doing that, and they can hold it against me, but I'm not doing it. 
I'll actually tell you a funny story about that. Tell all my folks for a moment. My, my dad, when he goes to ball games, he always wants to watch the game, obviously, in person and then listen to the radio broadcast. Well, my mother, of course, sits beside him. She's not listening to the game. And so as the game goes along, she has questions and she keeps bumping him in the shoulder to ask him questions. He finally got to a point. He said, write them down. I'll deal with them at halftime. <laughs> Don't bother me while I'm focused. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I would deal with this nonsense at halftime. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, phone number, 888 For those of you who are with us tonight on this holiday night, we welcome you. Ellis Johnson will be with us at 730. We're going to talk about Art Baker, with whom he coached. He didn't play for him. He did coach with him twice. Knows him extremely well. Knew him extremely well. As you know, Coach Baker passed away over the weekend at the age of 94, I believe it was. Born in 1929. And one of the most well-respected, not only football coaches, but human beings to come out of the state of South Carolina. Yeah. Everybody loved Art Baker. And, man, Furman, and, of course, he was Citadel as well, that Furman loses Dick Sheridan and now Art Baker. You know, in less than a year, two of the icons of uh, football in South Carolina. So we'll talk with Coach Johnson about Art Baker, and we'll have an update on recruiting for you. South Carolina's gotten another commitment today as Shane Beamer put out a commitment alert about, what, 5 o'clock or so, 445, 5 o'clock? Yeah, it's been about an hour or so. Yep. Yeah. Have not seen where – Anybody has claimed that just yet, so I don't know who it belongs to. It will come out eventually. Don't know if it's a high schooler or a uh, transfer guy. Now, the uh, Gamecocks are getting back. I doubt it relates to this. I wouldn't think so. Uh, Gilbert Edmond, former Gamecock defensive end, who left and transferred to Florida State, went to Florida State for a year. He's transferring back to South Carolina, according to Gamecock Central. So I don't think – he would put out an alert on that. Could be wrong, but I kind of doubt it. Um, he did not attach. Typically, he will attach the class for which that player is uh, going to be counting towards, the 24-25. He didn't do that mm -hmm. with this. Maybe it is the Edmund kid. I don't know. But um, Gilbert Edmund coming back to South Carolina, that will help. I'm a little surprised that he's coming back because I thought with Agreed. Beamer, when you left – you're gone, you know, but I guess maybe you uh, you look at things differently when a guy wants to come back and he's a good player. Uh, Phil, it's a great question because I, I rolled back because I wanted to make sure I had my facts in order before we talked about this. And I looked at his comments during the Gator Bowl uh, two years ago, I guess now. And some of the guys and Gilbert Edmond was one of those guys who was considering the transfer portal and they wanted to put their name in the portal, but then also play in the bowl game. And Beamer said no. I don't want players down there that have a foot out the door and another foot in the program. So I, I don't understand the grand stretch of then bringing him back into the fold after he goes away for a year. I mean, here's a guy who quit on your program, thought there was a better opportunity for him somewhere else, 
and now it's coming back. I, I, maybe, like you said, maybe this is the new era of college football, and we've got to get used to guys not only transferring multiple times, but maybe like Alston Stogger did, maybe leaving the program, mm. going somewhere else, and then coming back to your old program. I, yep. that, maybe that's the new wave of the transfer portal. Like I mentioned in the story today, the transfer portal certainly giveth and taketh away, but it also has somewhat of a boomerang effect evidently now too. Yeah, I was trying to think of any other case where you had that happen where a player went back from where he originally transferred, and you're right, you just you just cited one. Austin is the only other one I can think of, right? Yeah, Oklahoma to USC, back to Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, that's got to help the Gamecocks because he was a good player, and he he developed. He was not a, a particularly heavily recruited player coming out of high school that I recall, but he did develop during his time at South Carolina to where he became a starter for them at defensive end. Then he transfers to Florida State. And I think he was fairly productive. Not don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think he was fairly productive at Florida State. So good pickup for the Gamecocks. So I think that would, without counting it, I think that would give him about. I guess he counts as a transfer, right? He's coming back from another school. Yeah, I would think so. Has to, yeah. So that would give them about sixteen transfers coming in. I believe last time I, I counted up the numbers. So um, more on recruiting coming up a little bit later on. I think the other. Um, Really strange story of the weekend was involving T-Rob, the former Gamecock uh, defensive coordinator, uh, Traveris Robinson, and he was at Alabama with Nick Saban, and then he, uh, when the change happened there, he takes the co-defensive coordinator job at Georgia, but then... When DeBoer comes in as a new coach at Alabama, he interviews T-Rob yesterday and offers T-Rob the D.C. job by himself at Alabama. Not a co-job, but the D.C. job himself. So then he's apparently considering staying in Alabama. But then he decides to go ahead and take the money and take the position at Georgia. So he is going on to Georgia to join that staff there, which allows Will Muschamp, who has – a son playing at Vanderbilt quarterback. I think this is Witt playing at Vanderbilt. Gives him a chance to be an analyst, but then he doesn't have to be there on game days. He can go watch his son uh, play with Vanderbilt. I guess if he's going to be playing, he can go watch his son uh, mm-hmm. do that. So um, that's a, kind of an interesting back and forth there between uh, Georgia and Alabama for a key staff member. Yeah, it is. And, boy, it's nice to be T-Rob, isn't it? Get tugged both ways between two of the top programs in the country. Let's see. Um, do I want to stay at Alabama, maybe work with a program I've been with a little while and has tremendous success, tradition, or do I want to go over here to Georgia and work with a program that has tremendous success and tradition and is coming off you know two national championships in the last three years? Pretty tough decision for him, I would think. So was this, a, de- was this a demotion for Will Muschamp, or was this just a personal decision? Do we know that? I think it was a personal decision, okay. what I'm told, yeah. I think he wanted the freedom to be able to go see his son play in college. Yeah, so I think this him gives then, yeah. him that freedom, mm-hmm. yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I think this is probably something he went to Kirby Smart about and said, hey, man, I'd like to come off the field, and uh, can we make something happen? And this just opened up the opportunity when Saban retired and that staff became available, and it opened up that opportunity to grab a, a big name. And congrats to his son, for now playing, I mean, he has one that's a walk-on at Georgia, and now he has another. If he was a quarterback signee for Vanderbilt, I would assume that means scholarship then, right? 
I would think, but I mean, you either know, way, congrats. Not yeah. like Will can't, you know, sign sure. a check, <laughs> afford Vanderbilt, and, and 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 put in the memo. He could put in the memo. Uh, P.S. Thank you, Ray Tanner, for paying for my son's <laughs> Vanderbilt education because this is coming out of my Gamecock fund. <laughs> He's got his own Gamecock Club account that uh, he keeps that money and he and he counts the uh, the interest earned. All right, let's talk basketball here before we do anything else. Phone calls are coming up, 888-898-2525. And uh, really good wins over the weekend, South Carolina, Clemson. I was up at Clemson, and uh, they took care of their business with Boston College. Man, shot the uh, lights out in this one. They shot 69% in the second half, 54% from the game. Um, Gerard and Hall, 26 each. Second time this season, they both scored 20 or more in the same game, 14 of 18. This was pretty pretty uh, impressive. From the latter moments of the first half through about halfway of the second half, the Tigers made 14 of 18 from the floor. Wow. Yeah, and they needed to because BC yeah. shot 61% in the second half, 51% for the game, but they really couldn't – they fell behind at the half and really couldn't catch up in the second half. Uh, Clemson was 18 of 22 from the line. They won the boards by 15. Hall had a double-double with 11 rebounds. That's his 10th of his career. Tigers had 10 offensive boards for 15 points. So they did a lot of good things in winning that game and snapping their three-game losing streak. And they will host Georgia Tech tomorrow night at 9. And then South Carolina had that exciting road win at Missouri a game that, um, with the way Missouri's been going, though they're still tough at home, you had to go get that one if you're the Gamecocks, and they did. Um, Cooper tied the game with a, a three with 25 seconds left. In overtime, Wright hit the game winner with 13 seconds left. Missouri missed a three with a second to play. Mack was big with 21 points, three others in double figures. They won despite Michi Johnson only scoring five. That's, yeah, that's a good big. sign. That's yeah, no a good doubt. sign. A um, lot of contributors. Josh Gray hit two big free throws for him in regulation. They did overcome 16 turnovers. That led to 15 points, but they won the boards by 11. 15 offensive boards. Cooper and Davis combined for 15 rebounds, and they made 16 of 18 from the line. So two very good wins there in the Gamecocks. Chris, home tomorrow night at 9 to take on Georgia. I hate the fact that both Clemson and South Carolina are both playing at 9 o'clock tomorrow night. Uh, but you hope you hope the fans will respond and show up and cheer on those two teams because those first off Clemson's win they desperately needed that they need to come out and play well and feel good about themselves and for the Gamecocks to bounce back after that miserable second half against Alabama and find another way Phil to win a close ball game and this is what happens when you get old and the Gamecocks went from being a really really young inexperienced team last year to a really old team this year and I think it's starting to pay big dividends for them because they don't seem to get rattled in late game situations they have found a way to pull out wins. I mean, they trailed for what, gosh, it seemed like 38, 39 minutes of that game Saturday and found a way to tie it late and then win it in overtime. That's a huge bounce-back performance for Lamont Paris's team. He's got to be thrilled coming back home to uh, for another game they, they should be favored to win against Georgia tomorrow night. Well, Georgia, they played Tennessee really, really well. Yeah, Listen to did. that game as I was going to Clemson. <clears throat> and, I mean, they, they were behind. Then they took a double-digit lead. And then they just wilted down the stretch. Tennessee put a run on them down the stretch, and Georgia could not respond. But Georgia's a very dangerous team. We'll see what kind of 
mood they're in coming off that loss to Tennessee. I think that was their first SEC loss of the season. I think they'd won their first two, I think. So they'll be a dangerous team coming to Columbia uh, tomorrow night in what should be a really, really good game uh, between the Gamecocks and the Bulldogs. Um, and you and saw where you hope home court advantage plays in because it's been really hard wherever you are, whatever conference you're in, to win at home, or excuse me, win on the road. Mm -hmm. And that's where USC's got to flex its muscle here a little bit tomorrow night against, as you pointed out, that was Georgia's first loss, and they're 12-4, and and they're they're probably as big a surprise, maybe not quite as big a surprise, but they're certainly in that category with the Gamecocks as the two surprising teams in the SEC so far this year. College of Charleston won. I I think they're still undefeated in the CAA, and, and your guys picked up a W. Yeah, Coastal played well. They really did. They took on an old Dominion team that has struggled and without their head coach, who uh, yesterday, Jeff Jones, the head coach at ODU, announced he's going to be out the remainder of the season, taking a leave of absence from the program after suffering a heart attack when they were out in Hawaii right before the uh, Diamond Head Classic. So they're, they're still trying to find their way, but they've got some talent on that team, and that game just kept going back and forth and back and forth. It was a really entertaining game, and much like the South Carolina-Missouri contest, Coastal needed that win, and they found a way late to, to pull it off. Tonight, the USC women undefeated, ranked number one. They'll be in action at the CLA against the Kentucky Wildcats. That game will tip off a little bit after 7 o'clock. We'll come back and get to some of your phone calls here on Sports Talk. Be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk, Sports Talk, Media Network. Phil Cornblut, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel on this Monday night. Phone number 888-898-2525. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you to reach us on the program. To your phone calls in just a second. Our new poll question of the week is as follows, and it's available on our website and also on our Twitter at Sports Talk SC, Nick Saban retired at Alabama, and his replacement was not Clemson coach Dabo Sweeney. Your reaction to that was very surprised, not surprised. He'll be the next guy. What was your reaction to that, Bergie? I was more. I wasn't surprised he wasn't the guy. I was more surprised at just how vehement Alabama fans were not wanting Dabo. I, I just that one I didn't quite get. I mean, the guys won and won a lot at Clemson. I just and, and we touched on it a little bit last week of the various reasons, but that that surprised me more than anything was just the fact that Alabama fans didn't want him at all, mm. and you know would go to midfield and burn all their Alabama stuff if he was higher in the whole nine yards. So that was the bigger surprise—the reaction to Dabo even being considered. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I wasn't surprised at all. I never thought from the very beginning that he would go this time around, but. My feeling is, in the future, if this doesn't work out for DeBoer at Alabama and they're in the market again in about three years, then I think Mm -hmm. you would have to be really concerned if you're a Clemson fan 
And that's just not opinion of mine. That's what I'm gathering from some people I've talked to. So right now, all is good from that standpoint. Keep an eye on what happens in the future, too, with Sweeney's contract. Let's say that they do something really big this year and they want to redo his contract. Keep an eye on what that buyout is as it pertains to Alabama. Uh, I think it was $7 million this year, and it declines in the years to come. But if they redo that contract again, and let's just say it begins at a smaller number. Let's say that number is reduced to like maybe 4 or $5 million. Well, that'll kind of tell you maybe what is going on in the in his head in the and in the background there. So, mm-hmm. um, but I'm, I'm just kind of speculating there. Don't know anything, just kind of thinking out loud, Pat. You know, another note I thought about over the weekend regarding Alabama and DeBoer going from Washington to Alabama, and of course the whole Nick Saban thing. Well, two parts. One, we haven't even, I don't believe, discussed how much control and oversight that Alabama is still giving Nick Saban. And apparently still having an office in the building, still allowing players and coaches and whatever to come to him basically 24-7 is what I was reading. And he is still going to very much so be involved with Alabama football. If you're DeBoer and you're coming in, I mean, you don't really have a choice. you got to just say yes, be a, be a good soldier. But do we not think that might cause some problems down the line, some drama, if, if DeBoer struggles or maybe has some personnel decisions, he chooses this quarterback over this quarterback or whatever, what kind of noise is there going to be from the Alabama faithful with Nick Saban still quite literally in the building? Yeah, I don't know if that's a good thing, a smart thing. Um, as I think back, I think Dean Smith still had an office at the Dean Dome after he retired, but he was. Okay. But you had Bill Guthridge replaced him, so that was right. his right arm. So no, no problems there. Um, Frank Howard always had an office in the Clemson administration building over at McFadden. He always had an office okay. in there, I believe, after he retired. I can yeah. So this is not new necessarily. No, 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 not necessarily. It just it depends on on situations. Um what are you gonna tell Nick Saban? You can't stay in the building? Oh right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean obviously Ray Tanner at USC became the A D, so he still very much so had his fingerprint on the baseball program and mm-hmm. so forth. That that just would seemed a bit surprising to me, but I guess we'll see what the future holds. The other thing I thought about over the weekend and I, again, don't believe we've mentioned, is Will Rogers, former Mississippi State quarterback who committed to DeBoer in Washington. He was the presumptive starter moving forward for Washington next year. Now he has re-entered the portal. Well, so often we hear about coaches bringing their guys with them. Michael Penix Jr. originally was coached by DeBoer, who was the offensive coordinator at Indiana later, and when, he, when DeBoer was named the head coach at Washington, called up his old buddy and was like, hey man, you want to come play for me? And now they made it to the college football national championship game. Well, now I'm just thinking if Rodgers is in the portal, is DeBoer going to stick with Jalen Milrow, who had a terrific second half of the season after kind of struggling a bit out of the gate? you got to think he's a presumptive Heisman candidate at least next year, or one would think coming in. Or does he turn to Will Rodgers? I'm very curious to see what the quarterback situation will be like at Alabama. Well, now I saw one of the Twitter sites that we follow that covers transfers reported last week that Rodgers was transferring to Alabama. But I haven't seen anything else. Have you seen anything else about him going to Alabama? I've seen a top five landing spots for him, and the top one is Alabama. Then it showed uh, well a few other different options, one being going back to Mississippi State, which I wouldn't think that would happen, but to y'all's point earlier. And then I saw another one that was interesting was Auburn. And I don't know enough about Auburn's football program yet to know what they have in the pipeline or what they had this past year off the top of my head. Uh-huh. 
but that would be right there back in the SEC, mm-hmm. I guess no longer the West, but now going against his, I guess you can't really call him his former head coach, but former recruiter, whatever you want to call it, with DeBoer. Hmm. Uh, let me finish the uh, poll question. By the way, the numbers, 348 votes in today, 85.3% say not surprised, 9.2% say he'll be the next guy, uh, 5.5% say very surprised. To uh, wrap up last week's question about Shane Beamer recruiting the Portal John and doing a good job as far as, well, if you care about the national rankings, um, ranked number four nationally, third most uh, transfers among those recorded by on three. And the question of the week was, how much do you think Beamer has improved the program with these transfers? 790 votes. 33.7% believe the program has improved 75%. 25.1% said 50% improvement. 22.4% said a 25% improvement. 18.9% said a 100% improvement. It's too much math for me to take in one poll question. Um, All right, let's uh, get to some phone calls. Folks have been waiting. We appreciate it. Phone number, 888 898-2525-2110, Buffalo leading the Steelers, 5.07 to go, third quarter. Kind of neat having NFL football on a a Monday afternoon. Again, keep in mind, if they have huge TV numbers, which they probably will, you can expect the NFL to do this moving forward, have a playoff (laughs) game on uh, MLK afternoon. You wait and see if they don't do that. Kind of surprised they haven't tried to do that. You know, the NBA is uh, taking over some, and they're playing afternoon games as well. I'm surprised the NFL hadn't figured out, all right, here's an opportunity for us since we've gone to this super wild card weekend. Mm-hmm. We've got, what, six games. Let's spread them out and have two, two a week, uh, yep. two a day, rather, yep. Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Yep, and you got college basketball going on today. you got high school basketball mm-hmm. going on today. So we go to um, Gamecock Larry. With us in Swansea to open things up tonight, Gamecock Larry, welcome in. How are you, sir? Doing just fine. How are you, sir? We're doing great. It's great to have you with us. Hope you had a good weekend. I had a good weekend. Basketball teams won. They did. Later, LSU later lost. They did. Ah, uh, oh, Gamecock Larry. Gamecock dragster and motocross team won everything, mm. and they're going and they're going to do more in twenty twenty four. But I also got some news that that uh, it's it's going to be it's going to take a while. But I got I I I could say I'm going to break it to you guys. All right, breaking news. Okay, yes, sir. I just got the, I mean, I just got the word pretty good. This guy's going to last about three years at that much in Alabama. You know, Nick's going to go down, not Nick, Dabble's going to take his place. He's going to be the man that followed the man that followed the man. And also, all you Auburn Tiger fans, get ready. Old Gamecock Larry gonna tell you something. Now you don't you you don't you don't believe old Gamecock know what he's talking about. Nick Saban 
is going to Auburn as athletics director in 2024. What are you going to do? You're going to burn up Tumor's Corner. That's about all I got to say. I just want to say, hope you all had a good day. But old Gamecock Larry, yes, sir, got my NIL deal already wrapped up, all ready to go. And if you need some car care, take it to Clark's car care. Just tell them old Gamecock Larry sent you. <laughs> go Gamecocks. Talk to you later. All right. Nice talking to you, Mr. Phil. Yes, sir. And please, please get off that Clemson spiel so much. Talk some good stuff about the Gamecocks. Let's talk Gamecocks. Let's talk. All right. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Larry. Let's talk Gamecocks. We appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good hearing from you. And uh, he's not wrong about them burning down Tumor's Corner, though. I wouldn't think <laughs> if, if Nick Saban came, though, I would say this. If Nick Saban were to take over as the AD at Auburn and they increased all their revenue and won at every sports, would Auburn fans be able to take that? Well, I mean, they, they want to win, right? Even if mm-hmm. Nick Saban is in charge. Is yeah. the architect. Yeah. Yeah. I think they would take it if he were to win some national championships for him or something like that in football in particular. I mean, you don't hear of that happening uh, very often, and obviously it's not happening here, but um, I think when it comes to to winning, you suck it up, and if a guy happens to come from the big rival across the street and he can get you going straight and help you win championships, you suck it up and you say, thank you very much, we appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for getting it done for us. All right, triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. We'll get back to more phone calls here in just a moment on Sports Talk. Let me uh, open up. A, 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 let me mention a couple of other things that uh, are worth mentioning here. As soon as I uh, put my eyes on them here, um, wanted to mention that uh, we did that. Uh, bup, 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 bup. I've got one news note while you're looking for the other stuff that I uh-huh. thought was interesting today, and I never thought I'd see from the NFL. But evidently the uh, Bills, and I'm sure the NFL had to approve this, but they allowed all the fans who came to the game today to sit wherever they wanted mm-hmm. at the stadium. Well, I think they had to, like, I saw <laughs> Steelers fans clearing. Yeah, I mean, they were <laughs> literally breaking through the snow mm-hmm. to get to some seats that they could, you know, they could get yeah. to. But it looks like the place is packed. Oh, it's full. Looks like the place is packed. Uh, I wanted to get to the uh, the net rankings for this week, then we'll continue. The uh, new net rankings going into this week. So Clemson is now 27. South Carolina's 54. College of Charleston is 110. Winthrop, 149. Furman, 174. Hang on, Chris. We'll get to you in a minute. Wofford is 176. Citadel, 217. Getting to you. Presbyterian, 297. Upstate is 313, and Coastal Carolina is 315. Charleston Southern is 330, and South Carolina State is 335. So there you go with your net rankings going into into this week. And Which I thought was interesting, too, because Clemson actually moved up a spot in the net rankings but fell out of the AP Top 25 today. So it shows you if, if I'm Clemson, I would much prefer to be moving up in the net rankings than staying in the AP poll. Well, keep that in mind, a lot heavier. Those net rankings, you know, they take into consideration, you know, the AP poll takes into consideration what did you do this week? Yeah, you know, exactly. And how did you play? The net rankings, the way they're computed, of course, they take into consideration what you did and also 
what the opponent you faced and what your previous opponents, what they did, and and all kind of of different um, data that goes into that. So that's why it's a little bit strange to see them fall out of the of the ranking, but still move up uh, in the Mm -hmm. net or whatever the case may be. All right, uh, let's go to the break, and we'll come back with more calls. Phone number, 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number for you. Hey, you know we're going to hit a little cold spell here, but when it starts warming up, you're going to want to get down to the beach. Make sure you call Jimmy Smith at James Smith Real Estate. Let him find you a great place to stay for your vacation. Or maybe you want to make that permanent move. You want to buy a piece of property. That's what Jimmy and the staff are there to do for you. That phone number is 843-237-4246 and online at pauliesvacationrentals.com. For your perfect beach getaway, give Jimmy Smith a call, 843-237-4246. And the NFL game update, 21-10. The Buffalo Bills leading the Pittsburgh Steelers. A little under three minutes to go in the third quarter, and the uh, the Bills jumped out to a 14-0 lead. Mason Rudolph, Rock Hill native, quarterbacking the Steelers and trying to get them back in this one 21-10 as they head towards the end of the third quarter, and we'll be back. Major Billy Downer here from the Department of Natural Resources, and DNR is excited to announce the implementation of Go Outdoors SC, a new online licensing and boat titling system that you can access right from your phone. Through this new system, customers can purchase their hunting and fishing licenses, renew their boats, apply for lottery hunt opportunities, and complete electronic harvest reporting requirements. For more information, visit Go Outdoors SC at your local app store. Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. Hi, yes, uh, I'll have the club sandwich and house salad. You got it, sweetie. I'll throw in a pair of designer sunglasses as well. Um, just lunch, thanks. How about a week at my boss's oceanfront villa? What? When you join the South Carolina Education Lottery's Players Club, you get way more than you expect. More chances, more wins, and more surprises. Today's special, a trip to low Earth orbit in a private spaceship. Join the Players Club at seeducationlottery.com because more happens here. 
Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. All right, back on Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Get back to your phone calls at 888-898-2525. We go to Hank in Columbia. Nope. We go to Keith in Camden. Nope. Oh, scroll down. We go to Brian in the Low Country. Shame on Hank. Shame on Keith. for. Oh, Keith's still hanging. We'll get to you. Brian in the Low Country. Brian, welcome in. How are you? All righty. Yourself? We're doing great. Thank you. Uh, good. Um, your Packers made a lot of people a lot of money yesterday, correct? Well, I mean, if you took the Packers and the seven, they made you a lot of money. Well, or straight up. Yeah, 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 absolutely. If you okay. played the money line, sure. Okay, okay. I, have, I apologize for coming in late for class, but uh, has any, uh, any more um, uh, players that decommitted from Alabama – go anywhere else and for what about any of the coaches since the Washington coach is bringing basically all of his coaches with him is that correct and how are we is is coach Beamer looking to maybe getting uh, any of the coaches that were going to be released from Alabama as far as like the offensive line coach or any of the other coaches well let's, you know? let's take it a step at a time there's been some decommitments from Alabama. There's been several Alabama players to enter the portal, John. There's been uh, several Washington players to enter the portal, John, and they've had some decommitments. The The typical thing you expect when there's a coaching change now in today's uh, college football, there's a lot of people who just automatically, they don't even want to hear from the new coach. They just, they just make that move. I mean, Washington filled their job with uh, Jed Flesh from Arizona yesterday, but these players don't want to wait around to hear from him. Uh, it's sort of like, he's not my guy, I'm not staying. Uh, and the same thing with Alabama. They didn't hang around to want to hear from their new coach. So, yeah, both have lost players to the transfer. Both have lost players to um, to decommitments uh, at this point. As far as South Carolina doing anything with any of the coaches available from uh, Alabama, who were on the staff there with uh, Nick Saban. You know, there were, I think there were four members of his staff who once coached at South Carolina. You had Eric Wolford on the offensive line. You had T Rob in the secondary. Uh, you had uh, Hutzler at linebacker. And there was one other that coached at South Carolina, I think. Uh, but to answer your question, Right now, no. Don't know of anything happening more with his staff. I think the, the big question right now with the the, the hire that he made from um, the other day from Texas A&M to take over at wide receiver is what happens with Justin Stepp. Does Justin Stepp 
stay with South Carolina? Does he accept the move to tight end? Is he okay with that? I mean, he is still making big money, and I do think he wants to stay in Columbia. That would be his number one choice. So maybe all that together, you know, will satisfy him, even though he may not be crazy about moving from wide receiver to tight end from what I'm hearing. Uh, that right now appears to be uh, the big question. Um, we'll wait and see. Probably after the February signing date, if there's going to be any other direct changes on the staff by virtue of Beamer deciding to make some other moves. But right now, we just don't know. Okay, thanks so much. Thank you. You guys do a great job. Thank, Thank you very you much. Thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, yeah, Chris, that's something to keep an eye on with the Gamecocks right now with um, – the hiring of Coley to come in from A&M and, and take over at wide receiver, which is a good hire. I mean, you had a, a position, and you could get James Coley. That's a good pickup for Beamer. If you're Justin Stepp, uh, it does come at your expense from the standpoint of coaching wide receivers, moving to tight end. I mean, if it's not a big, if it's not a big deal to him, then so be it. You just make that move and um, uh, continue to, to be a Gamecock and coach the Gamecocks and help them out in any way you can. Beamer doesn't strike me as a coach, though, that would hire Coley, bring him in to replace, to take over a position he already has an assistant coach working without going to Coach Step and saying, look, I'm, I'm interested in this move. What are your thoughts about possibly going to uh, coaching tight ends if we can get him to come on the staff? I, w- I would hope Shane Beamer approached him and talked to him about it. And, you know, if, the, if that's the case, you would think that Coach Step is okay with the whole move. I, again, hmm. we don't know. I think but, I read – one of the Gamecock insiders that I read today said it came out of the blue to him. Wow. That he was not – if I can put now, my eyes on that story. I, I think mind. he. I think they said that it came – I think it was Tony Morrell with the big spur. Let me go back here and uh, and see. By the way, nobody's, nobody's identified yet who that uh, recruiting alert has gone out for related to what uh, – Beamer did today. Let's see. Justin Stepp will shift over coaching tight ends, provided he stays on the staff. Um, Stepp was contacted by multiple schools following the season, but declined to pursue any of them because he wanted to remain in Columbia. At the time, he had no idea of the shift in responsibility that was to come once Corley came on board, according to sources that he talked to. So, yeah, Interesting. called him out of the blue. Hit the break here. Top of the hour. We'll be back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, welcome back. Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Phone number, 888-898-2525, 24 to 10. Bills leading the Steelers, 13-35 to play. Fourth quarter there in Buffalo. Snow all over the place, I tell you. I mean... Football fans, we're just crazy, man. It, it's got to be, you different. know, I think the television networks are are subliminally somehow 
slipping some sort of drug through our television screens or speakers that we're inhaling that just makes us want to go back to football time at a time again. Uh, I guess it's called gambling. But how about the fans in Kansas City and the fans in Buffalo uh, sitting through some of the, the worst conditions you could ever imagine for a football game to sit through? Just incredible. And they're packing the place. They packed the place in Buffalo. Oh, yeah. It's incredible. I, I saw the video that you were referencing during the first hour of the program of Steelers fans walking to their seats through waist-high snow. Mm-hmm. I, and it gives you an idea because they had Buffalo residents who they paid overnight to come and shovel snow, and they still weren't able to get enough of it out of there. So there, there wasn't snow. They at least got the field cleared. And then for Kansas City, I, I just don't know how you wear enough clothing mm. to stay warm in that scenario. I get the football players because they're moving around, but the fans – I, that, that's, a, that's a different kind of hearty that hmm. I'm just not. And I like cold weather, but I, that's just a different kind of hearty that I don't understand. Yeah. From the Kansas City-Miami game, did you guys happen to see the video that I think the concessions of the stadium put out? And it was showing <laughs> yes. they were using the refrigerators to keep the water warm. <laughs> and you're hearing me say that correctly. They used the refrigerators to keep the water warm. It was that much colder outside that they were, t- they did a video of somebody taking a bottle of water out of the fridge and then holding it, and you saw it slowly freeze. At least the outer portion of the bottle. I don't think it was freezing solid, but freezing the outside from the top down. And it reminded me of a scene from a movie years and years ago, uh, probably fifteen years ago now. The day after tomorrow, yep. and it was about I one of those the same thing. Yeah, because I remember there was a scene in that where the same kind of thing. They were holding water, and you saw it slowly freeze. And that was unbelievable. But I got to ask, if y'all lived in those places, would you go? Because as much as it might pain me, I I think I would without hesitation. Because that's the type of story I was at this game that you'd be telling your grandkids. I mean, that's a a once-in-a-lifetime, just like a lot of people out there that watched it on TV are going to lie the rest of their lives and claim they were there. (laughs) (laughs) I was there. Of course I was there. You know, that was only the third coldest playoff game in NFL history. I think there were actually two I saw over the weekend. They were indeed colder, you know, with the wind chill and all. Which is just hard to fathom. Well, they're still calling. Are they still calling the Green Bay the Ice Bowl the coldest the ice one ever? Bowl. And then there was a Freezer Bowl in Cincinnati. Yeah. And then this one. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure if they've nicknamed the Kansas City game yet. Yeah. Maybe it'd be the Water Freezer Bowl. I'm not sure. Just the coldest <laughs> crap bowl. How about that? <laughs> For the caller earlier who asked about Alabama and transfers out, I'll give you a quick uh, rundown. They just had uh, today Des Ricks, a cornerback. He entered the portal, John, today from Alabama. Sean Murphy, their standout uh, defensive end linebacker. Yeah, linebacker. Not only has did he uh, enter the portal, he's transferring to Florida State. So he's made his decision where he's going. He's going to Florida State. And Shaz Preston, Shaz Preston, wide receiver, uh, he's transferring to uh, Tulane. Isaiah Hastings. Defensive lineman, he's headed to Syracuse. Uh, Let's see if anybody else jumps up at me here from Alabama who's made a decision and entered the portal and headed somewhere else. Um, That's all I see here early on. So that's a handful of guys. That's a handful of guys. Uh, Washington, just seeing a couple of Washington guys. Uh, Dyson McCutcheon, a cornerback, he's in the portal, John. Nate Kaleppo, an offensive tackle, he's in it. Austin Mack, quarterback, obviously a backup quarterback, uh, he's entered it. 
So keep in mind these Alabama Washington guys. Uh, some of these, well, these guys that played in the playoffs are a little bit behind others mm-hmm. because of the the length of their seasons. Uh, Javon Green, another Washington player, cornerback, who is transferring to uh, Stanford. So he's already made his decision. So you know both have had uh, some decommitments and have had some to enter into the transfer portal. John, okay, I was wrong. I was. It was actually warmer than I thought. It's the fourth coldest, not the third. Mm. Well, you know, I, when it's below zero, does it matter? I'm trying to think of the coldest game that I ever sat through. Of course, it it would be in the press box, but an open press box where you get all the mm-hmm. elements. And right, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, it would probably be one of those games at Clemson in late November, back when November used to be cold. Remember when November sure. used to oh, be yeah. cold mm-hmm. before yeah. it became spring? Um I can't tell you exactly which one. I can remember, you know, like having to wear gloves and a heavy jacket and that sort of thing. You remember one? I bet it's the same one. I just remember being a kid. I was somewhere. This would have been late 90s. I remember going with a friend of mine, Brian, and we had we were the next to furthest at the top row, and we were on the north side. So we were getting that wind unobstructed from the west, just, just hitting us square in the face, freezing cold wind. And... uh I remember serving. I remember having like five or six cups of hot chocolate that they were serving down in the concourse. Didn't buy anything else, just hot chocolate over and over and over. But I remember getting home and my parents being very angry at me for not covering my face because I'm already a redhead, so I already have like rosy cheeks. But I had windburn so bad <laughs> on my cheeks they they were bright Ow. red for like a week. <laughs> you looked like um, when the Giants played the Packers in one of the coldest games yeah. in the playoffs, and um, uh, Tom Coughlin. Yeah, Tom Coughlin. Yep. Had terrible uh, burns on his cheeks from from the exposure uh, to that cold air that particular day. That was that was a brutal day. Um, okay, let's go to uh, the calls once again. Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. Ellis Johnson is coming up. We'll have recruiting for you coming up as well. Stay tuned for that. But let's welcome into the uh, program. It's uh, Keith in Camden this time around. Hello, Keith. Good to have you with us. Hey, Phil, Chris, Pat, uh, quick question. Mm-hmm. What, um, based on what we have through regular recruiting and the transfer portal, uh, what would you say our two greatest needs are as we round out uh, the next month? And I understand we have a real talented quarterback, but we don't have a lot of experience there, so... What do you think we're looking for? Yeah, I think they would still like to have a quarterback out of the portal, John. I don't know that Robbie Ashford visited this weekend. He may have. Nobody's confirmed it publicly. There was reports that he was supposed to visit, I think, on Friday. But I've seen nothing since. So I don't know if he came in. So they're probably still, if that's the case, they might still be shopping for a a quarterback in the portal, John. But – as far as the rest of what they need based on who they already have committed, they've got 32 newcomers coming in. Uh, by position, you've got five wide receivers, you've got two tight ends, you've got three safeties, you've got uh, one, two, three, you've got four running backs, you've got a quarterback, uh, you've got a punter, you've got three offensive tackles, a guard and a center, you got four linebackers, three defensive tackles, three defensive ends, and a cornerback and a pear tree. So 
That's what <laughs> just hit me for some reason. <laughs> so, <laughs> what about Will Rogers to USC? To do what? To be quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, would he not fit in? Would would he not be fairly comparable to maybe what Spencer Rattler was able to come yeah, in with like a gunslinger I mean, mentality? Well, the, the dude's one of the all-time. That's what I mean. Great passers. Uh, and if he's now back in the portal from Washington, just trying to read the tea leaves here, would that not be somebody that Shane Beamer and company might might go after? I mean, he threw for over five hundred this past year here in Columbia, did he not? Yes, he did. I would think they would if there was interest. I don't know. Um, Money, I mean, money, the, money. Why wouldn't he follow DeBoer to Alabama if he liked him at Washington? All I can think is because Milrose there. Well, that's true. That's the only, only thing I can think of. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, again, it looks like, except for that uh, that other quarterback spot, um, as I look at what they have coming in, Keith, it looks like they're, they have filled pretty much all their positional needs. Yeah. Maybe uh, another – uh, could they use another than, corner maybe? Could they use another – corner or maybe somebody i'm listing at another position will end up playing corner that happens all the time um maybe one of these safeties i one of these guys i have listed at safety could end up playing corner you never know i try to give them the identity of the position that they primarily played but they can sometimes be moved sounds good anything else uh no sir one thing go packers Yes, music to my ears. <laughs> I, yes. I tell you what, Love Love looked great. He played a heck well, of a I mean, ball game. The guy had a perfect quarterback rating. Yeah, a, a perfect was, quarterback rating. Impressive. So I don't know how you can play any better protecting the football. And, I mean, some of his throws uh, are just ridiculous. But, uh, yep. but I'll say this. I'll say this. Um, his offensive line has gotten really better over the last half of the season because the same guys are playing snap in and snap out. They've been able to stay healthy. They're giving him more protection. You know, the Cowboys hardly touched him yesterday. They hardly got to him. I'm not even sure they had – well, I think they had one sack early. That was kind of a, a run, but he didn't get back to the line of scrimmage. Otherwise, I don't think they hardly touched him. And his mobility and his ability to throw on the run with different angles and put the ball right where it's supposed to be, my goodness. It was unbelievable, and the best part of the whole game was seeing Jerry swirl around in his chair. I, <laughs> I love it. Stand the Cowboys. I love it. Dirt eating, <laughs> yellow belly, sap sucking Cowboys. Love it. Yeah, y'all, y'all have a good one. <laughs> Thank you very much, Thanks, Keith. What? Well, Jordan Love. Now I don't have the exact stat in front of me. I believe it's his last. Nine games, maybe? The last however many games of the regular season, he had 18 touchdown passes to only one interception. Now you add the three to the zero yesterday. Jordan Loves had 21 passing touchdowns mm-hmm. to only one interception over, I believe, the second half of the season now into the playoffs. I just feel – I don't feel for Bears fans right now as a Panthers fan because they're going to get our number one overall pick. Yeah. But – and they got DJ Moore. But, God, they just must be sick. And Vikings fans and Lions maybe to an extent. Lions to a lesser extent because they, they're they doing really well. But Bears fans must be sick. They just miss time and time and time and time again on the quarterback. And now here are the Packers looking like a potential third straight Hall of Fame type caliber player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just unbelievable. Well, let's don't put him in the hall just yet, but it's off to a good start. He's awfully talented. No, yeah. and I start, that's why I said he's on that trajectory, but he just has that level of talent. He has that swag to him yeah. yesterday. Like oh. one, That one pass he did that was kind of a sidearm, went perfectly between a couple defenders and hit the receiver 
running full speed, just right in the hands. What we're not Ooh. talking about, though, that needs to be talked about, the play calling of Matt LaFleur. You know, he is now free to run his offense. And, you know, listen, you inherit Aaron Rodgers when you come in as a rookie coach and I th- he gets you to the NFC Championship game in your first year uh, and into the playoffs each of your first three years, I think I'm correct about that. This is his fifth year. They missed last year. They almost got in last year. But now he's able to really do what he wanted to do with the offense. Before, you had to cater to Rodgers and his oh, yeah. skills. You're, you not, had telling, to cater you're to not telling Aaron Rodgers right. how to run the offense. Exactly. So, But now, look at the movement. Look, you know, He came in from a system where he had worked previously that was big on motion, pre-snap motion and all that kind of stuff, and um, watch the Packers motion players around to get one-on-one matchups that they want. How many open receivers did they have yesterday because of the play calling against the defense and the motions that led to those guys being wide open? I mean, pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. And I now. tell you, the guy I like in their receiving core who's, who's built like a tight end but runs like a wide receiver is the Dobbs kid. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had him on my fantasy team and never put him in. Shows you how good a fantasy manager I am. But, I mean, look at these receivers. <laughs> yeah, really. But look at these receivers. You know, Aaron Rodgers complained publicly and privately, and I guess inside the Packers Fieldhouse, about them not spending high draft picks on receivers during his time there. Uh, to refill those areas. They were drafting defensive linemen, offensive linemen, linebackers, things like that. And these guys, they are they were not, as a group, you would say they were not uh, highly drafted players overall. I mean, they took the kid from Virginia. Look how good he's been. You mentioned Dobb. He's a second-year guy, so he's been there in there a couple of years. Uh, Reed, look what he's done as a rookie. And he didn't even hardly catch a pass yesterday, I don't think. But he's been their leading receiver. Look at the two tight ends. Look at Kraft and Musgrave, what they've done at tight end. I mean, and none of them are first-round picks is what I'm saying. You know, they were all later picks. So, I don't know. You didn't even mention Christian Watson. Oh, yeah. Well, he could stay healthy. Right. He was not a factor at all yesterday. At least he was on the field, and I don't think he pulled his hamstring. No. So that's a positive if you're a Packer fan. He's a second-yard pick. uh, Let's see. Dowles was fourth-round pick. Reed was second-round pick. So, yeah, Yeah. none of those are first-round picks. Yeah. Yeah. So, what can you say? Let's go to the break, and we'll come back and do recruiting. Then Ellis Johnson will be with us last half hour. We'll have plenty of time to talk with him about Art Baker. But we can also touch on some other football things as well because, you know, Ellis always has an opinion about things happening in college football. So that will be coming up after the bottom of the hour break. But coming back after this break, get you the recruiting report tonight here on Sports Talk back in a moment. This is Lisa Hosteller-Brown. Do you know the difference between a revocable trust and an irrevocable trust? The difference could easily save you hundreds of thousands of dollars in long-term care costs. Visit LawyerLisa.com to schedule a consultation today. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. Daddy, you need a trust. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. 
That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. George Bryant here with Tsunami Bar Sports, and wow, Tsunami Robbie, there is now an amazing technology that you can use when you train, receiving large gain without having to endure pain. Please explain. George, that is the magic combination. I have three simple words to define that entire concept. Stimulation, not annihilation. Regardless of your training goals, there is a level of stimulation that is optimal for your desired gains. Tsunami Bar's flexible bar technology meets these demands because the user determines the level of stimulation with the amount of speed and force they impart into the bar or training device. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code B. BB5. Don't wait. Order today. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. All right, time for the recruiting report tonight. It is brought to you by Seawells and Seawells. Of course, the place to go for the very best daily luncheon buffet every day from 11 till 2. You hear us talk about it regularly for good reason. It is exceptional for an exceptionally good price. I mean, you won't find a better price, what, 14 bucks for their daily luncheon buffet. What does the menu look like moving forward? Tomorrow, fried pork chops, lasagna, and herb-roasted chicken. I like to say Herb, roasted chicken, some guy named Herb. And then uh, Wednesday, southern fried chicken, baked flounder, country-style steak. You know that'll be good with gravy on it. And then Thursday, spaghetti, chicken tenders, carved applewood smoked ham. And then rounding out the week with a roast beef Friday, shout out Andy, and southern fried chicken along with shrimp Alfredo. And don't forget, you can get all your local farm fresh veggies, salad bar, and dessert. All right, very good. And the very best in the catering business, Sea Wells as well. 803-771-7385 online at SeawellsCateringSC.com. So coming back to South Carolina, defensive end Gilbert Edmond transferring back to South Carolina from Florida State, reported by Gamecock Central. He started 10 of 12 at USC in 22, 39 tackles, 9 for loss, 2 sacks, 9 QB hurries. Entered the portal, John, December 15th. Did not play in the Gator Bowl that year. Ended up at Florida State. Saw action in all 14 games this season. He played in the Orange Bowl, lost to Georgia. He had 23 tackles on the season, 
two quarterback hurries and a sack. In his three previous seasons with the Gamecocks, before that last one, he was in 21 games, started 10 as a redshirt sophomore in 22. He racked up 44 tackles, nine and a half for loss, and two sacks. So a very dependable edge rusher defensive end coming back to a USC. pair of prospects from Mount Tabor High in Winston-Salem were in for visits at USC over the weekend. Wide receiver Shamarius Peterkin, 6'2", 172. Safety Jadon Blair, 6'4", 180. Peterkin also has offers from Florida State, Miami, West Virginia, Georgia, Tennessee, Virginia Tech, NC State, Duke, Penn State, Maryland, Louisville, and Appalachian State. Last season, he had 42 catches, 824 yards, and 12 touchdowns. He averaged 19.6 yards per catch for his career, 63 catches, 1,252 yards, 19 touchdowns. Blair also has offers from Mississippi State, Michigan, Tennessee, LSU, Georgia Tech, East Carolina, Florida State, Miami, Duke, Louisville, West Virginia, Notre Dame, Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, Maryland, and Penn State. Last season, he had 35 tackles, one interception. His father played on the defensive line at East Carolina. 2026 quarterback Jared Curtis, 6'3", 210 of Nashville, was at USC Sunday. He was at Georgia Saturday. He's going to Ohio State this coming weekend. He has a top five, Alabama, Florida State, Ohio State, Tennessee, Texas A&M. Last season, he threw for 2,522 yards, 25 touchdowns as a freshman. 2,313 yards, 27 touchdowns. Offensive tackle Michael Carroll, 6'6", 292, Doylestown, PA, plans to visit USC this Saturday. The new OL coach at Penn State was by on Friday to check in on him. He also has offers from Michigan, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Boston College, Missouri, Michigan State, Maryland, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, Baylor, and others. During the season, he visited Michigan twice, Wisconsin, Virginia Tech, and Rutgers. Hale McGranahan, the big spur reported, Gaffney offensive tackle Shed Surratt, 6'5", 290, will visit USC this coming weekend, Georgia Tech on the 27th, Florida February 3rd. 2026 offensive and defensive lineman Desmond Green of Timberland plans to visit USC Saturday. The Gamecocks were the first major program to offer Green, and he visited last summer and for a game last fall. He also went to a to games last season at Clemson, Georgia, Florida State, and Virginia Tech. He also has offers from Georgia, Virginia Tech, USF, Citadel, and Mercer. New USC receivers coach James Coley Sunday offered wide receiver Philip Wright the third, 5'11", 160, of, I know I'm going to mispronounce this. Help me out, Chris. Destrahan? No. Destrahan? Not sure. Destrahan, Louisiana. He is one of the fastest players in Louisiana, also runs track. He is clocked as the fastest prospect at the National Combine earlier this month. Michigan, Texas A&M, Nebraska, Georgia Tech, Texas Tech, Cincinnati, Miami have also offered. Safety Jonte Gilbert of Atlanta made it to Georgia Saturday, plans to visit Tennessee this weekend, USC the 27th. Receiver Thomas Blackshear of Savannah, who was offered by USC, Named the top three of Georgia, Florida State, Tennessee. Clemson target safety Drake Stubbs of Jacksonville was at Florida Saturday. Clemson target defensive end Bryce Davis was at Georgia Saturday. Got a few more notes. We'll give them to you after the break. And then Ellis Johnson. 
A couple of other recruiting notes, and then Ellis Johnson will be along with us here on Sports Talk. Just had a couple of other things to mention. Greer native tight end Jaleel Skinner is transferring from Miami to Louisville in two seasons with the Hurricanes. He caught 10 passes, 138 yards, one touchdown. TCU transfer quarterback Chandler Morris, son of Clemson analyst Chad Morris, headed to North Texas. He had some early contact in the transfer process with USC. USC coach Shane Beamer and offensive coordinator Dowell Loggins up in Ohio today visited with Ryan Montgomery of Finley, Ohio, quarterback. I think he had a basketball game that they went to. He's going to visit USC this Saturday. Then he'll go to Georgia on the 22nd, week from today, and then Florida on February 3rd. USC offered wide receiver Lex Cyrus, 5'10", 170, Harrisburg, PA, and wide receiver Jade Card, 6'2", 195, Miami. And 2026 wide receiver Carnell Warren, 6'3", 175, of Bluffton. Plans to visit USC on Saturday. And again, Shane Beamer uh, put out a commitment alert late this afternoon. Nobody has stepped forward to claim that alert that I have seen at this particular time. All right, there you go with recruiting tonight. Here on Sports Talk, brought to you by Seawells. Before we get to Coach Johnson over at the CLA, the USC women up on Kentucky, 33-16, to 3.59 to play in the half. And I think we had a little thunder in the Coliseum there, Bergie. Yeah, Ashlyn Watkins with a dunk, breakaway dunk. That'll get everybody fired up, uh, aside from the fact that they're playing pretty well thus far. And I think at one point in time, it jumped out a huge run to open up the uh, second quarter to break open what was a fairly close game at the end of the first. Yeah, outscoring a fourteen nothing spurt. Yeah, and Ashlyn Watkins too. That's a local product, Cardinal Newman here in Columbia. And remember, she was a McDonald's All American in twenty twenty two and actually won the events dunk contest. Yeah, USC has outscored UK twenty one to three. Yeah, in the second quarter, the Gamecocks are being led by Fo Wiley with ten. Cardoso has eight. They got their typical. Um, sharing of the points here so shooting 52 percent on their way to another lopsided victory as the number one team in the country uh, perfect lead into a coach ellis johnson who loves women's basketball <laughs> we welcome in coach ellis johnson to sports talk once again to uh, talk about a more serious note the passing of coach art baker over the weekend and we'll touch on some other things as well. Coach Johnson, good evening. Happy New Year to you. Good evening. Same to you. I didn't know we had not talked since the New Year. Has it been since the New Year? I wished him a Happy New Year off off air. I couldn't remember. I can't remember. Well, uh, I thought we came on and talked about one of the bowl games, but uh, I must be wrong. Well, maybe. Did we wish you a Happy New Year? Then we'll do. We'll just. We'll just double up on our happiness. <laughs> yeah, and I had a birthday on the 23rd of December. Yeah. Think, happy birthday. I think we wished you happy birthday back then. Yeah. 23rd of December, you're almost a Christmas baby. I didn't realize that. Yeah. We got we got Rick Stockstill and Kirby Smart on the same day. <laughs> 
Well, that's nice to I know. Should have, I shouldn't save those for a trivia question at the next Lions Club. But I... that all three of you guys were born on the same day. Yeah, but the ages are a little different. Well, I'm much younger than they are, but oh, yeah, yeah. still kind of unusual, you know. I understand. I understand. <laughs> Art Baker. You knew Coach Baker extremely well. You worked for him a couple of different times in your coaching career. When you think about Art Baker, what memories come to you? Well, obviously the coaching memories do, Phil, because I worked for him both at the Citadel and then uh, at East Carolina. And uh, But I, I knew Coach Baker – Many many years before that, and knew of him even as a kid. You know, he he uh, started off coaching. I think he was either Newberry and also Luda. He was the first coach, I think, <clears throat> when Oakland High School was open, and he you know immediately turned them into a great program. I don't know how good they were in '58 '59, but I grew up in Winsboro. The, the high school was called Mount Zion. Had mm-hmm. a bunch of good athletes. Uh, Ronnie Collins would be one that. University of South Carolina fans, though. But uh, they played Eau Claire two years in a row. They were only Class A. Eau Claire was Class 3, which is the biggest back then. And they split with them. They beat them the second year. But uh, that's the first time I heard Coach Baker's name. I think I was seven years old. Next time I met him, he was the head freshman coach at Clemson. A lot of people don't remember that. And uh, we were all so impressed. We'd go up for games and get tickets and so forth. We'd go to the games, and he was always so impressive. He was the guy we all talked about when we left. And then, you know, through his coaching career, I had the good fortune to work for him at Citadel and then again at East Carolina. I think, you know, football-wise, a lot of folks don't know, he was a really he was a tremendous offensive coach and, and was pretty innovative. Uh, he was kind of on the front end of that split-back veer, went down to work for Jim Carlin at Texas Tech. And they had quite a quite an offense. And uh, he came to Furman, though. He switched it to an eye and ran the mesh a little bit further away from the defensive ends that were crashing or whatever. And he was very successful with it. Uh, a little bit later, he, he ended up running the freeze option path out of it with the path hitting over the zero hole. He did not invent that, but he was in with a couple of guys that really got that rolling. And then while he was in East Carolina, he transitioned that freeze option to the double slot formation, so like Paul Johnson ran. But Coach ran a freeze option off of it. And then he incorporated the run-and-shoot offense that Jim Jones invented. i tell you, his last years at East Carolina offensively, they were really, really good. It, it just weren't good enough defensively to play that schedule they played. But just a, just a wonderful man. You, you always hear the expression, he may be a great coach, but he's an even better man. And that, that really applies to Coach Baker. Yeah, I want to ask you about that side of him because following him as a coach, and but then later on in life, just kind of seeing him at various football events, hearing him talk, uh, seeing how football people uh, reached out to him and reacted to him. It seems like he was just as good in managing people as he was in managing a football team. No doubt. And uh, you know, he wasn't a grinder. We didn't meet a lot. But he was always kind of organized, very meticulous. And, and and the biggest thing is he enjoyed working for it because, I mean, he, he was a man that was a good leader, but he, he, was, he was almost more of a leader by example. And uh, 
There's one funny story. I know anyone who knows him well knows that he cannot stand profanity. Hmm. And he had all these little buzzwords that he had the the buzzword for you know what was rapping. <laughs> and the, and the other, one held the buzzword. The buzzwords was has been drip. <laughs> I can't I can't translate that over there. Uh-huh. But he had all these little sayings, you know. And I had a, I don't have to confess I had a bad habit when I lose my temper. Mm. I let one fly on the headphones. <laughs> and when I was working for him in East Carolina, I'd be in the press box and he was on the headphones down on the sideline. I'd always be hoping he was on the offensive phones. But I'd I'd slip up and and say something when somebody missed a tackle or something. And Coach would say, Ellis, cut out that frapping cussing. It ain't never made a tackle. <laughs> and I can still hear that voice. I mean, it was just, it happened, it happened too many times, Bill. But it, it was never one that slipped that he didn't catch. Talking with Ellis Johnson, I'll tell you what, you mentioned Eau Claire. And you go back to that Eau Claire staff, and there was him, of course. And there was Dick Sheridan, and there was Jimmy Satterfield, I believe, and there was a guy named – a lot of people always overlook him when they talk about the Furman coaching staff, Tree, but Steve Robertson, I think, was there with him at Eau Claire. And I don't – I'm trying to think. Uh, maybe you know more, but, I mean, that was one heck of a of a high school staff that he pieced together, and then, of course, they kind of – I, I guess followed him to to Furman eventually, and it went on from there. That's right. When he left Furman, uh, excuse me, left Eau Claire to go to Clemson to coach the freshman coach Howard. Steve Robertson took over Eau Claire. Dick went to Orangeburg, and Jimmy, I think Jimmy went to Sumter. But he, they all went to head coaching jobs, mm-hmm. and in, in the state of South Carolina, they were all successful. And and I actually worked my first high school job was with Bobby Carlton and Gaffney. And Bobby was either with Coach Baker before they broke that up or he went to work with Steve Robinson. But he was an Eau Claire coach, sort of in that lineage. And uh, it was it was a fantastic group. And then, like you say, he, he regrouped that guy, those guys when he came back from Texas Tech. And folks may not realize that Furman was about to shut the doors. They, they were just about to give up on scholarship football. Hmm. And they brought him in, and they said, if you can get it going again, you know, we'll keep rolling. And he turned it around almost immediately. And uh, they they never won less than eight games. And and just from the previous programs that he took at Hope, I mean, they were four wins, three wins. And he turned it around immediately. Yeah. And all those guys were on his staff. And most all of them either ended up at NC State with Dick or uh, ended up with their own program. So when he goes from Furman to the Citadel, which was like blasphemous back then, as intense as that rivalry was back then, I mean, that's like going from South Carolina to Clemson or the other way around. You just don't do it. What do you recall about those days when that was coming down? Did you know it was going to happen? And what what do you remember about the reaction as he made the move from Furman to the Citadel? Well, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I was actually – uh, Joe Turberville was interviewed for that job, too. He was at the time, he was still at Spring Valley. And he took me and he took Craig Tyler, who was one of his assistants. And we went down with him. We didn't go in the interview, but went down to the interview. And if he got the job, we were going. 
and and I was really excited about it and hopeful. He felt like he had a great interview. The, inter the athletic director at that time coached Coach Peverville and said it'll back in the 60s when they went to Tangerine Bowl. Uh, but they ended up hiring Coach Baker. And he he came to Furman. He was very successful there. The reason he made that move is he had all those years in the state of South Carolina with Clemson and with uh, his high school jobs. Mm -hmm. And it just made sense for him to, you know, go down and get all those South Carolina years. They're similar to what I did when I came to Carolina. So he did that for that reason. None of his coaches wanted to go. And none of them came with him. Mm -hmm. And the only one that may have come, and I don't know if he was coaching for him at the time, but he was sort of a, in the coaching tree, was Mike O'Kane. But uh, he never beat the Citadel when he was at Furman. I mean, he'd win nine and ten games. We would win four and beat him every time. And I never lost to Furman when I was in college. I did not play on good football teams. Mm. But uh, our people, and I, I don't mind if they hear it, our people were absolutely football ignorant on the whole thing because Phil, when he left there, at that time, he was the winningest coach in Citadel history. And he was fired. And to this day, they don't appreciate what he did there, in my opinion at least not enough people. He should be in the Citadel Hall of Fame, and he's not. Uh, it's just ridiculous. Uh, well, for the job he did, he was never appreciated. Well, he's in the South Carolina Athletic Hall of Fame. My goodness, I would think that he would be in the, the school's halls of fame. I'm not sure. Is, I think he's in – is he in Furman's? I think he's in Furman's Hall of Fame. I'd have to look that up, but – have you made? Have you taken that argument to the people at the Citadel? I bet you have. I, I have not, but if it ever comes up, they know my opinion very clearly. And John Carlisle has been extremely active with our football association, which is our Letterman's Club, and he's tried to get it going. And it just, I don't know, it just, I don't mean to be self-critical of our institution, but people down there that have the ability to make those decisions must not know football. Well, they don't know the history of our school. Yeah. So, our, boy, I tell you, it's been uh, kind of a tough, uh, what, six or seven months. We lose Dick Sheridan. Now we lose Art Baker within uh, a relatively short time frame. Yeah, I had forgotten about that field. It hasn't been that long ago when we lost uh, Dick Sheridan. Uh, it's it's uh, kind of those times. You know, lost Coach Turberville just a few short years ago, and uh, a lot of the coaches that – I either worked for or played for, you know, coming through those times. But, uh, you know, Coach was 94, had a wonderful life. Mm -hmm. And if, if folks never met his wife, you missed out. She was a, a, the epitome of a coach's wife. And she was, a, she was a beautiful lady. And just as, I mean, as supportive and helpful. And the players that played for Coach Baker, probably remember her every bit as well as they remember him because she was always doing things. She, she was a lot like Jerry Spurrier. She was always doing things and organizing things for the players. And uh, just, a, just a beautiful person. Well, the funeral will be Wednesday in Sumter, I believe at 2 o'clock. So look forward to seeing you and a bunch of others there at that. Let's turn our attention for a couple of moments away to the here and now of football and uh you know alabama well from your times there you know you know that neighborhood i mean it's been a long time since you were there but 
you got a good taste of it when you were there. Uh, now they're going through uh, a coaching change for the first time in, what, 17 years, and they've gone outside the SEC footprint to uh, bring in a guy who has a terrific record, as we all know. Um, what do you think? Uh, is it going to work for uh, Kalen DeBoer with Alabama? I don't think we can predict that either way. I don't think it has anything to do with where he's coached or where he's from. Uh, recruiting these days is not regional anymore. And to say, well, this guy doesn't know the region. This guy doesn't fit in there. This guy that. Uh, you know, if he fits in with people who support the program and so forth and, and does a good job with that, that's about all that matters. I mean, recruiting now is about who's got the best NIL, who's got the tradition that first of all attracts kids, and then you got to go in and kind of sell them on what you're going to run. You got to match your paycheck. I know that sounds crass, but that's the way it is right now. Mm. And you got to get that done and make sure that's not an obstacle. You may not have to pay them more than the other school, but you better be able to pay them about the same thing and they're going to go somewhere else. Uh, I don't think that's going to be a problem. Now, whether he win, I don't know. And, and they do have a, a history of being hard to please, and that's the way places are to have high expectations. You know, there were many years in between Coach Bryant and Coach Saban, and even the good years we had with Coach Dollars, uh, there were many years in there coaches not making it for two or three years. And at that place, you know, it's, it's ridiculous that you shouldn't be able to establish yourself and be successful. But sometimes you end up in conflict with your own camp. It's hard enough to win football games and everybody's on the same page. Mm. And when they're not, you know, it, it can be a tough job. So, you know, I think if they, if they do, you know, if they don't accept him initially and jump on board, it won't work. Uh, but, you know, if he's, he's got to overcome his own fan base, and the SEC, mm. you got no chance. Mm. Well, people don't realize that even Coach Stallings, when we came in, they were so starved for somebody that had a Bear Bryant label on them, and they were more patient with Coach Stallings than they were with the other coaches that were running in and out of there. Yeah, and and we were in three the first year, and then Vanderbilt came to town, and we got a win, <laughs> and and then of course two years later we're the national champions undefeated, but. You have to have your own people on board and pulling the rope to the same way or you're fighting something all the time. Well, Gene Stallings was fortunate enough to not only be an excellent coach, he also sounded like uh, Bear Bryant. So I think they thought he was the, the reincarnation. But, I mean, you flash back to what happened at Clemson after Danny Ford resigned in 89 and Ken Hatfield was brought in from totally – outside the area and outside the culture and, and all that kind of stuff, when they could have hired somebody from right there on the staff and, and kept it going from that standpoint. And, I mean, it started out well, but then it went downhill. But I remember Frank Howard being at the press conference when Hatfield arrived and shaking his cane at Clemson fans who were there booing him as he was walking into the stadium, like, hey, you know, he's our guy, accept him, et cetera. So, I mean, that was quite the split. Now, this is – certainly different circumstances, but um, I don't know. I mean, we'll see if the Alabama fans give this guy time or if after the first loss or the second loss, it's like, oh, you know, here we go. Programs are already slipping. That's right. I mean, just, you know, time will tell. 
Uh, and, and in the Clemson situation, I wasn't there when the first one turned, but when Coach Hatfield left, I was on the next staff. And, and Tommy was a Clemson guy and had been on Coach, Coach Ford's staff. The problem at Clemson is, administratively, they overreacted to the NCAA problem. And fan base-wise, they overreacted to the fact that Danny was fired. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the fans weren't really yelling at Hatfield as much as they were yelling at Chaney. They, they did not want change. They didn't care if uh, Newt Rockney walked in the door. <laughs> it wasn't going to please them. They just weren't. They, yeah. they were going to fight it all the way. And it, by the time it quieted down, he got enough. Don't go back and check Hatfield's record. It wasn't real bad. And he recruited some good players, too. I'm not going to say it was as, as strong. It certainly wasn't as strong when he left. Talent-wise is what he inherited. But – he did do a heck of a job, and he overcame a lot of their own problems internally to get it done. Yeah, uh, and then, then of course, you know, and we didn't have great success with Tommy. We never had a really proven quarterback, and it just, you know, every year was a struggle. Well, we really appreciate you taking time out to be with us tonight. It's great uh, talking to you, talking about football, talking about Coach Baker. I guess we'll see you Wednesday over in Sumter, and you'll be, uh, I'm sure, reminiscing a lot more with folks there. So thanks for the time. Uh, Happy New Year. Happy birthday. uh, Happy Tuesday tomorrow. And any other happiness we can share with you? (laughs) I appreciate you letting me come on because it's always really, it's it's an honor to even get to talk about Coach Baker. Yeah. Fine man. Thank you, Coach. Coach. See you Wednesday. Appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. All right. You know, it's it's funny, Phil. I'm not old enough to remember Art Baker all that well, but having been at PC for many, many years, he has spoken in revered names. Mm -hmm. You know, guys like John McKissick, uh, Bob Waters. uh, He actually won the Bob Waters Award. Uh, Keith Richardson. I mean, names like that. Shell Dula in Clinton. Uh, Art Baker's right up there with with all those guys. I mean, he is is a revered coach at at least at Presbyterian as anybody they've ever had. Yeah, and, and I think too. I mean, look at the coaches' lives he touched over the years. I mean, just look at that staff he had. Oh yeah. I think I I think was Mike O'Kane on that staff at Eau Claire. That might be another one. Um, oh my gosh. I mean, it was loaded. It was absolutely loaded, and he continued to have that kind of impact on people. And you heard what Ellis had to say regarding mm-hmm. his time at the Citadel, um, and how he thinks he should be in the, well, in the he didn't Hall hold of back, Fame did down he? there. No, no, he feels like that should be <laughs> should be a no brainer for him to be to be there. All right, um, and thanks again. What you got, Pat? Got a recruiting note here, Phil. I'm seeing that uh, Chris Ewald, Ewald, Ewald. He's from Hollywood, Florida. He's a cornerback. He had been committed to Michigan, but it looks like the Gamecocks, along with Alabama, Auburn, Florida State, some other schools were, I think I'm reading this right, his top five or maybe top seven. Didn't know if you thought uh, there might be any, any mutual interest here now that he is decommitted from Michigan, if oh. that might be a target for the Gamecocks. Uh, we'll have to check and see. I don't class know. of 2025. know much about him. He's from where? He is from Shamanad Madonna Prep in Hollywood, mm. Florida. Okay. He's decommits yeah. from Michigan. He's a top 100 rated recruit. Is that a sign these guys think Harbaugh's going to the NFL? That was a good question. So. Yep. I would absolutely. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else I wanted to mention here? Oh, at halftime, it's 46 21. So turn out the lights once again. Is anybody going to challenge this team? Is LSU going to challenge them? Well, they go to LSU. Lost over the yeah. weekend. 
That'll be the that'll be their next challenge when they go to LSU. That'll mm-hmm. that'll be an interesting one. I I got you know and and say what you want to about Kim Mulkey. She's won everywhere she's gone, but she's come up with the latest excuse, and this may be the most ridiculous one I've ever heard. Evidently, the uh, she left the uh, women's basketball team because they played at Auburn yesterday. Well, LSU's men's team played at Auburn on Saturday night, so she let the her team go watch. You know, the men's team go play, go mm-hmm. cheer on their fellow colleagues. She is now thinking that may have affected them because it took them out of their routine, oh. and that may have been one of the reasons they didn't play all that well yesterday against Auburn. I mean, are you kidding me? That is kind of a <laughs> odd. That's like uh, Tommy Bowden blaming the fight with the Gamecocks on what happened in the Pistons' big brawl the <laughs> night before, which is what he did. Uh, the Bills have beaten the Steelers 31-17, and so they move on in the playoffs. And, How about uh, this? That'll be, that'll be Patrick Mahomes' first road playoff game of his career. Ooh, that's going to be sweet. At the Bills. Have a great night. See you tomorrow.